0: Desiree, can you give us an update on the sort of uh, storms that have faced both the region that you're in as well as Florida specifically? Because from the other side of the world here, it's getting a little bit hard to track how it seems like you guys are just being battered again and again. And um, yeah, if you could just give an overview to start with of what's been happening and um, and what sort of things the communities there are facing. For
1: sure. Um, so most recently there's been um, two massive hurricanes that have passed through both, um, hit Puerto Rico. Um, the, the first one that came through was like of historic size. It, um, it came through up kind of the West coast of Florida, which is where we're located. Um, we had, uh, three, uh, major earthquakes in Mexico happen in the last, um, two weeks. And, um, there've been, uh, Yeah, flooding, like the hurricane in Houston and affecting, you know, Louisiana. And um, it's been um, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty uh, prolific in the last couple of weeks with climate disasters happening.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, it seems that the news just at the moment seems to be absolutely full of natural disasters going on. Could you talk to us a little bit about, so what your organization does and where you work and how you're organized and um, yeah, that would be just to give that overview.
1: For sure. Um, So Mutual Aid Disaster Relief is a decentralized grassroots, um, autonomous, uh, self-organized movement of folks that um, our model is solidarity, not charity. And we respond to disasters by reaching out to folks on the ground that are doing the same kind of work that we do in our community on, on the regular, like um, Food Not Bombs and Black Lives Matter and different movements that are um, doing intersectional work on the ground. We reach out to folks in affected communities. And first and foremost, we listen to what their like self-determined needs are and we respect their agency. And um, like disasters can tend to um, make people feel very powerless and it further entrenches the power of like places like FEMA and the military and the police who move in um, and can like paralyze communities and occupy communities after disaster. So we um, we work to empower and respect the agency and self-determination of communities by listening to them and then responding to their self-determined needs. Um, And it's, it's non-bureaucratic. There's no red tape where we like have critiques for the femA and Red Cross like top down model and um, we believe in like building power from below and empowering communities to to um not just be receivers of aid to be participants in in um, to, like disaster relief and response and rescue and stuff like that
0: yeah, wow. thank you. um that's i guess brings up specifically what are communities facing and um you you know what's ha- been happening to the structures? what's what what are the most immediate needs that you guys are facing at the moment? And, yeah, how specifically is that experienced differently, do you think, by the more marginalized communities that you're dealing with?
1: So it's it's like all other environmental racism, like the the mar- most marginalized and most vulnerable communities are the ones who suffer the most. Um we'd gone down to a farm worker community. And a lot of the housing that's destroyed there, because they're undocumented folks that are staying there um, and their houses are owned by essentially slum lords. they're at the uh, mercy of these folks. Like they don't have a lot of leverage in, um, you know, um, demanding that their housing be their, their, um, you know, uh, structural damage be addressed and the flooding be addressed and the mold issues be addressed. So, um, yeah, and then uh, when we went down to the keys to deliver aid, we'd gone to low-income housing community like housing projects. and folks there, even though it was over a week after the hurricane passed through, it was like minutes after in the sense that there was trees laying on people's homes. there was trees laying on people's cars. People had said we were the first ones to arrive there with our truck of you know food and water and medical aid. Yet FEMA and the Red Cross have been, essentially, you know, a, an occupation of this whole region since immediately after the hurricane happened. So, you know, why, why are they collecting so much money and so mu- so much goods and everything's being funneled to them when the poorest communities are not receiving the, the most basics of food and water, you know, the whole area is under boil alert, so they can't drink the water from the tap. So it's essential, it's critical, it's life-saving and it's, um, it's dangerous to not get folks the, you know, the basics that they need. Um, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess my question in response to that would be, yeah, why? And why do you think that, um, you know, in these situations, especially, you know, medical situations, situations when people are at their most vulnerable, is, is these situations in which we imagine this equality of access to service, equality of access to um, aid and... Um, You know, I've seen some analysis that some of these small islands that are sort of this semi-post-colonial state from under British rule have been considered not valid for getting um, aid in this situation because of this sort of OECD analysis and this sort of thing. And I guess, you know, what's the reality on the ground that you're... What you're seeing, why do you think there's this inequality of access, um, particularly from these sort of larger NGOs? I mean, we can talk about the state later, but um, yeah, why, what's the issues with these NGOs and why do you think that having this sort of grassroots mutual aid is, is necessary in this level?
1: So, so there's two different things. So as far as NGOs go, it's become like any other business, any other corporate model, Um, particularly like a good example is while we were down in the keys addressing the hardest hit communities and the most impoverished communities, FEMA was worried about protecting and defending wealthy mansions in Key West and we're stationed out there. Um, so this is where resources are being funneled to, which leads to the second issue of, um, you know, the baseline disaster is capitalism. So people are already struggling with that baseline disaster on a daily basis and exacerbates by climate chaos, which is also caused by, you know, capitalism, deregulations of, you know, different corporations, like giving free reign to just, you know, wreak havoc on the environment. And we're like, we're suffering the consequences of that um, and the ramifications of that. But um, as far as nonprofits go, like the, like, when you see a mistake, like when you see something's not working, like the mechanisms of FEMA and the mechanisms of red cross are not working, but yet the second a disaster happens there, um, the vulturism that happens and people like funneling aid to them, it's just, no one stops to question that. No one's has like made a significant, um, you know, like, like, a. like it it needs to be known more widely that Red Cross like collected half a billion dollars to assist in Haiti and because they're not an organization that does like medical work like on any like meaningful basis all they can do is get like emergency blankets and things they had like half a billion dollars that they had no idea what to do with they built six homes no one knows where the rest of the money went but they were mostly handing it off to other smaller organizations that could do the work on the ground but and then, you know, rather than stepping down and seeing the the um, failures in those modalities, they they continue to jump up when a disaster happens and continue to try to be the face of the disaster and to collect all this money and visualize the communities and the marginalized areas and the marginalized peoples that are suffering the most from it. And then, you know, they they suffer their own internal like chaos quietly and hand money off and. And it leaves people wondering, you know, what's what's going on with FEMA, you know, coming in and defending stores and defending um, fancy million dollar homes from looters. You know, those services, those are supposed to be in place for emergency management to be able to address communities. There, there are people that their insulin has gone bad and they can't have their breathing treatments and different, you know, like um, in Hollywood, Florida, the city that I was born in there was, they had to declare an emergency because I think it was eight people died because the power had gone out. Um, they need, you know, concentrators to have their oxygen going. And there was people that were just dying of, um, heat injury. So, I mean, this sort of thing shouldn't happen. We have the resources that could have been funneled into those areas to ensure that those disasters didn't, didn't end up in tragedies, but, um, you know I, it's the common problem in America of um, you know drifting the resources to the top and then the people on the bottom have to struggle and you know suffer until they, they eventually get what they need.
0: I, I saw that on your website Mutual aid relief, um, dot org. for anyone wanting to look that up, you've also got a further analysis of types of aid and that sort of intersection of, I suppose the failings of larger NGOs or perhaps the ways in which we let them fail, because um, I have absolutely no doubt there's very good people working in those organisations across the world, but yeah, I guess that the analysis of that structural, those structural issues around it is um, something really important that we continue to analyse, especially as we go into these. It, it's clearly the beginning of, perhaps not the very beginning, but of days of um you know the results of catastrophic climate change this seems like your region is particularly highlighting what we might be facing in the next 50 to 100 years and um yeah it's it's really inspiring to see how uh as as a grassroots individual community you guys are um responding to that um and and just able to actually respond to your specific community's needs, and also going to where it's needed on the ground, um, which I suppose is always going to be the difference from a larger NGO being centralized from a different place.
1: Yeah, like our our my main critique is that any time a disaster happens, the state and these NGOs wedge themselves between the people um, with provisions and the people wanting to give resources and the people that need those provisions and resources. And we don't Mm -hmm. understand why that wedge exists. Like if, if anything that's delaying, um, the, the aid getting to the people. So we believe in like, you know, face to face, skin to skin, community to community assistance. And there's so many people that want to get out and, 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 um, and, and be with their communities and help their communities heal and help other communities heal. And this delay, this bureaucratic delay is, it, it wreaks havoc and, and it, and it creates mm-hmm. these, these weights for people that, that, you know, like we see in Hollywood that die while they're waiting for assistance that should have been pre-planned. you know, in the days when we knew that this was coming here, you know? So and that's a huge problem that I have with, you know, like, these tragedies that happen that that could have been prevented and if we have these like healthily funded emergency management you know places why why is it such chaos every time there's a disaster and there's such failures from the top to the bottom you mm. know with it's addressing them in the way that they should be addressing them, you know.
0: I've heard a little bit through little snippets of more anarchist inclined news, because this obviously isn't getting into the um, mainstream media, just about the sort of opportunism that has been going on by the state. I would, if, if that's the word to use for it, um, just some really shocking uh, news about the way that the yeah the state apparatus and and the sort of um so-called law enforcement in this context um have been responding to civil society giving um doing sort of search and rescue work in jackson and and these other instances could you talk a little bit about that and um yeah that would be great Thanks.
1: yeah for sure um so this would be the disaster of capitalism, the, the shock and awe that, that happens that helps the state to usher into a community that's like completely bewildered by a, a powerful natural disaster. And they further entrench their power by like, it was, it, I can speak here in my community. What happened in my community before this hurricane was coming, like when it was imminent, it was a day away, um, they were arresting people, like um, involuntarily committing them. Um, because they were houseless and they chose to stay on the streets. They chose not to go. Because, as one person told me who's houseless, I'd rather die than go to a shelter. That's how That's how poorly people are treated in shelters here. The people who mm-hmm. did go to mm-hmm. shelters voluntarily were forced to wear different color bracelets to differentiate them from the other people that were there seeking shelter. So they were othering them, and and labeling them, and and they had to wear these humiliating like colored bracelets around to, to you know that are like hi I'm ho- I'm houseless and I'm here taking shelter. Um, there was also like reports of people being treated um, poorly and um, being like segregated from other communities inside of shelters. And um, uh, here at, at the shelters that opened here and when like in the day before the storm came we were calling trying to find um, safe, um, safer spaces for undocumented folks to go or folks that had legal issues and were afraid to go to shelters. Mm-hmm. And we found that every shelter we called had a police officer that was running the front desk and they were Skyping, they were tweeting about it saying, um, oh, come come to our shelter, you know, if you have a, an outstanding warrant for your arrest and we'll get you to the nice cozy shelter of the county jail. And, it, you know, yeah, they wow. were- dissuading yeah people from so I mean it's it's not surprising but our, our humanity still reacts to it because we haven't lost that part of our soul that says like you know this is wrong
0: <laughs> this is not a good thing this is not a normal yeah. response to an emergency situation exactly. <laughs> using it as an opportunity to arrest people fantastic yeah, so we yeah. Had
1: huge problems with the way the city navigated it and we had huge problems with the way the city navigates um, you know on the ground in all kinds of different situations, like in Houston, you know, there was a DACA recipient who was running rescue missions and who drowned. And days later, Trump passed in order to to um, to end DACA and put 800,000 um, other, you know, undocumented folks' lives in in limbo. So there's just this complete um, intentional disconnect between the humanity of governments that are making decisions for the people's lives, and mm. we have a huge problem with that.
0: Well, gratitude to you, Desiree, for your work that you guys are doing on the ground. It sounds like, um, yeah, there's a pretty strong community of you all by the sound of it doing the work that needs to happen. So yeah, good on you for one of a much better way to put that. (laughs) Um, Is there any last things you'd like to say?
1: No, just um, thank everyone for their support. We've had people that have come from like hours and hours and hours away across the country to be there to support us. And we really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And we um, we commit to provide solidarity and support to other um, communities. Um, You know, unfortunately, as these disasters don't seem to be slowing down, they seem to be accelerating.
0: Yeah. And hopefully the sort of work that you guys are doing is a model that can be applied throughout the world and that we can take on if if we have to face similar um yeah natural disasters in our region hopefully not but um, thank you so much for your time Desiree and it's lovely to talk to you and yeah keep up the good fight and stay strong I'm sure you guys are seeing a lot of really intense things every day so yeah we're thank with you, you so- even if we can't be there with you it's many thousands thank- of kilometers from where we are <laughs>
1: thank you so much
0: all right take care bye